0: Welcome to Felony Friday, a presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, welcome back to another edition of Felony Friday, a weekly show right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Of course, Felony Friday focuses each and every single week on exposing injustice in this nation's oh-so-broken Criminal justice system. Now, this is one of three shows that we have here on the Lions of Liberty podcast network, if you want to call it that. This is a bit of a variety uh, show, variety network that we have here, where we have a show every Monday hosted by Mark Claire. We kick off the week with Mark's show. It is our longest-running program, our flagship program, where Mark interviews leaders in the liberty movement. And he hosts Roundtable Discussions. Great show. Mark is a fantastic interviewer. So if you're new to the show, I know we've been advertising on Dave Smith's Part of the Problem. Or maybe you just came over to lines of Liberty to listen to Dave's appearance on Wednesday's show of Electric Liberty Land, which is our second show uh, on Wednesday. That's, of course, hosted by Brian McWilliams. It's your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty. Brian does a fantastic job of mixing in current events, culture, and libertarian uh, perspectives and philosophy mixed in with a little bit of comedy. Does it in a very entertaining way. So be sure to subscribe to Lines of Liberty on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever the heck you get your podcasts. And don't miss an episode because we're bringing the fire Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. This episode of Felony Friday, it's going to be another solo show, guys. Got lucky two weeks in a row. Just a crazy time of the year right now with the election wrapping up and all that stuff. And it just so happens that this week, my wife was traveling uh, for her work, for business. And it just kind of made sense that with me having to watch my daughter... I didn't really have time to do an interview and then edit an interview, and I just wanted to do a solo show, just get everything out there. It's probably going to be about 20, 25 minutes. So if you don't like that, I'm sorry. Um, If you want to hear more of me, I did do another solo show in our Lions of Liberty Pride group, uh, which was a recap. A immediate recap reaction show to the results of the election on Tuesday night. There was a little bit of alcohol involved in that show. So you can hear my frustrations by joining the Pride. Uh, for as little as $5 a month, you can get in our lines of Liberty pride, go to patreon.com slash lines of liberty. And you can hear me rant some more about the political process and the libertarian results that we all were confronted with on Tuesday, the reality of where we stand with the libertarian party. Today's show, you can find all the notes, all the articles I'm going to talk about over at lionsofliberty.com FF149, because this is the 149th episode of Felony Friday. Amazing. I know, completely amazing. One episode away from another incredible milestone with this great show, this crazy ride that I've been on here with Felony Friday. So guys, let's just dive into it, start talking about some stuff. You know, When I go through the notes starting to make uh, today's episode agenda or outline, if you will, start realizing I'm going to be talking about marijuana quite a bit. So this is a marijuana episode, mostly focused on that. Before I get into talking about marijuana at the state level, the federal level, all that different stuff, I just do want to touch on, sort of revisit this uh, libertarian disappointment from the election. Um, as longtime listeners know... I was involved, I was the campaign manager for Dale Kearns, the U.S. Senate candidate in Pennsylvania, and I just want to say that, of course, we were disappointed in the results, as I'm sure Larry Sharp was disappointed in New York, and Gary Johnson was disappointed in New Mexico, and people were disappointed all around the country as, as they lost races. We had many Libertarian Party members who held uh, held seats in state houses and things like that, that Lost their elections in um, really, really fantastic ways. I uh, really can't believe how wide some of these margins were. And you know, that can be frustrating. People look at that. It looks like the, the movement is dying. Maybe people are getting frustrated. Maybe they want to crawl back in their hole. They don't know what to do. I just want to take a minute to say, guys, don't give up. You know, on this side, as a podcaster, you know, talking with other podcasters as well, I do know that engagement people listening, downloading these types of shows, Lines of Liberty, uh, we are trending at an all-time high right now. So there is a lot of interest in these ideas. And I know talking with other podcasters, we're seeing this almost across the board. Numbers are growing across the board. People are interested in the ideas of liberty. What has happened is there's so much fear out there right now between the two parties. Justified or unjustified, maybe you could call some of it justified, Either way, a lot of fear. This is driving people who are still interested in the ideas of liberty, who still want liberty in our lifetime, to pick, probably, I would assume, they're voting Republican. I don't think many libertarians are voting Democrat, Democrat right now, maybe depending on the race or some local issues, they would be. But I think even people who are sympathetic to the ideas of liberty are still tied up in this two-party system. We have to find a way to break that if we want to grow the Libertarian Party. If the Libertarian Party is not your thing, that's okay. We still appreciate you listening. Mostly everything we're going to be talking about for the rest of today's show will have nothing to do with the Libertarian Party. So before you stop listening to this podcast and say, I don't want to hear about the Libertarian Party anymore, I'm sick of it, you won't have to because we're going to talk about stuff going on at the state level and federally with uh, mainstream Candidates, mainstream issues, a lot of good things happening from this election. I know a lot of people are down and depressed, but it wasn't all a bad deal. And the first part of that, with it not being a bad deal, from a sanity of uh, just the populace of this country, uh, just from that perspective, looking at maybe getting a little less uh, division in this country, a little more uh, just people getting along, people treating people like people. You know, I think this was the best result, being the Democrats taking the House, I think is the best result for the country right now, as it does restore some sort of at least perceived balance, you know, as someone I would probably argue that really Democrats and Republicans aren't that different. But the perspective of them being different is still important by the Democrats taking the House and the Republicans strengthening in the Senate and of course having a Republican president. There is that perspective of a give and a take, and actually it could align Trump in a position to get some get some deals done. I don't know if they will be deals that will, will further liberty, that will help liberty. Hopefully hopefully they will, with one of them being maybe a possible decriminalization or legalization of some kind for, for marijuana, which we'll talk about in a little bit here. But there's an opportunity for some things to get done, but more importantly, I think the this just incredible. Uh, just the the tone in the country right now, I think is going to come down a a little bit after the election. It'll it'll stay rough for a while, but in the months to follow, I think people, a lot of people with this Trump derangement syndrome, I think are going to sink back down to earth and start to settle in and realize, you know, the world's not going to end. Trump is not literally Hitler. And we can figure out a way to work within this framework to make some, make some things happen. So with that being said, who is the big winner? on Tuesday night? Who was the big winner on election night? I would say the big winner was marijuana in a lot of ways. There are now 33 states that are recognizing medical use of cannabis. There are 10 states that have now legalized the use and sale of, of marijuana for adults. Uh, one state that added that, this uh, election was Michigan. There was a proposal, Proposal 1, that legalized adult use, cultivation, and retail marketing of marijuana. This is big because previously the only states that had legalized were on the coast, right? You're talking up the West, up the west Coast, California, Nevada, um, Washington, uh, the, the states like that. Now you have a state in the middle of the country, in the heartland, that has legalized marijuana. Now with all of these states, 10 states that have legalized it recreationally, 25% of the U.S. population resides in a jurisdiction where adult use and possession of cannabis is legal. This is huge, man. And we're talking about this forward, possibly this being the momentum to really legalize cannabis at the federal level. So also some other states really surprising, I think, when you look at it, a state like Missouri, which is in the South, very conservative state, a state like Utah, which is made up majority of Mormons. I mean, you talk about a state like Utah, when it comes to things like even alcohol, they are so incredibly strict. They measure every single ounce of alcohol that is sold in the bar. The bottles have little, I've never been to Utah, but I've heard about this, that the bottles, when they're pouring drinks, um, actually measure, you know, the shots that's all reported to the state and A very, very conservative, strict, religious state in Utah has legalized medical cannabis. So is Missouri. These are the 32nd and 33rd states to do do so. This is big. This is huge news. Also, Connecticut, Michigan again, Minnesota, and Illinois – Voters in these states elected governors who openly campaigned on a platform of legalizing adult marijuana use. Now, of course, campaigning for it and actually doing it are two different things. I can say this from my perspective in Pennsylvania. I've watched, talking about alcohol again, I've watched every single... A uh, Republican governor, when they do campaign before they get elected, Pennsylvania goes back and forth, typically. They ping-pong back between a Democratic governor and a Republican governor. Right now, there's a Democratic governor, Tom Wolf, who just won re-election on Tuesday. But typically, the Republican candidate, when they're not the incumbent, will campaign on privatizing alcohol sales, full privatization. And then they get in and nothing happens. So, of course, the same thing could happen here with these Governors out in the Midwest, and well, I shouldn't say the Midwest, also uh, Connecticut's thrown in there as well. Um, But, you know, it's it's a good sign. And I think this is the way things are trending. So another bit of good news, Maine and New Mexico. Now, these are two states that have had, that previously had very, very rabid marijuana prohibitionists who were their governors. Paula Page and Susanna Martinez—they're both out, and they've both been replaced by governors who—they uh, both have been replaced by governor elects who support at least enacting some some sort of uh, cannabis reform. They're not, you know, stonewalling it, which is which is excellent. And uh, this this is all good news, guys. And even I should say, even in Illinois, the governor elect there. You know, we were just talking about them electing a governor who's pro-legalizing marijuana. He's already starting to talk about how he wants to implement that already, which is which is fantastic. So that's at the state level. This is, this is good stuff. And there's more I could get into. Um, the momentum is really, I think it's we're reaching a tipping point here, which is going to come probably not in the lame, lame duck Congress on the federal level, but could happen in early 2019. And a couple of reasons for that. So in Congress, a guy who's been so against marijuana, Pete Sessions, no relation to Jeff Sessions, who I'll get to in a minute. Pete Sessions, a Republican congressman from Texas, he lost his re-election bid. This is a guy who used his position as chairman of the House Rules Committee to block House floor members from voting on marijuana-related bills. So this is huge this guy is out. He's pretty much single-handedly killed dozens of uh, popular, bipartisan-led reforms. And these were reforms that were trying just, just to facilitate you know, getting medical marijuana access for people in the military, things like that, amending. Even though we have marijuana legal in a lot of these states, it's very limited because of federal banking laws. They're not, you're not allowed to have your marijuana revenue flow through these U.S. banks because they're not licensed. Or they're not permitted to transact with these "quote unquote" marijuana dollars. So this guy was blocking even legislation that would allow those businesses to be treated as legal industries. Another guy, Bob Good Good Latte Good Man, I'm pulling a Brian McWilliams. I've never heard this guy's name said before, and it looks like Good Latte. I'm pretty sure that's not how you say his name. He's a Republican from Virginia. Uh, he was previously the House Judiciary Chair, and he's out. He's gone. Previously, he failed to call any significant marijuana bills for hearings. And he's retired. He's out of Congress. So these are two people that are gone. This is huge. This is very, very big. Because there is there are marijuana bills that are being prepared to be brought forward. So another big piece of this of course is the day after the election on Wednesday Jeff Sessions Attorney General forced to resign and I say forced to resign because he said in his resignation letter that Donald Trump asked him to resign now this is of course this was expected pretty much I mean Trump couldn't really do this so after the election and this this doesn't go back to, you know, a lot of people have sort of speculated that this goes back to Trump wanting to legalize cannabis. That could be like a tiny little piece of it. I, I think this is entirely about the Mueller investigation and Sessions uh, recusal, recusing himself from that investigation, I should say, uh, recusing himself from the oversight. So now that Sessions is out... Um, the guy who has been put in his place is Matthew Whitaker, uh, Matthew Whitaker Recession's previous chief of staff. And he's going to fill that role. Uh, this guy, Whitaker, from what I understand, I don't know much about him, but he's a Trump loyalist. You know, he's a conservative. He's a law and order type conservative. And this is what, you know, this is what he's said in the past. This is coming from the New York Times. This is Whitaker's take on criminal justice reform. In meetings in the Oval Office, West Wing officials said Mr. Whitaker has spoken bluntly and authoritatively about prison overhaul, an issue embraced by Trump's son-in-law and senior advisor Jared Kushner. Mr. Whitaker has told the president that federal prosecutors would oppose some of the measures discussed, some of the measures under discussion. this is according to someone familiar with discussions. Anonymous, take it for what it is. Sounds plausible. Sounds right. The cannabis industry has rapidly expanded. For those liberty lovers who want to take advantage of this growing industry, they've been met with a flood of government taxes and regulation. A lot of cannabis companies would just love to hire a full-time CFO, but that could be super, super expensive. But what if you could have the knowledge and experience of this full-time CFO at a fraction of the cost? If you're in the cannabis business or you plan on entering the fray, then you need to schedule a free consultation with the Grow Rachel Kennerly. The Grow CFO will help to maximize cost of goods sold deductions by employing accrual and cost accounting, creating tax savings, and approving cash flow. They will keep your books in an audit ready state. If you or someone you know is either already in the cannabis industry or thinking about jumping in the fray, go to thegrowcfo.com and schedule a free consultation today. Why has Jeff Sessions been so bad for? Really, criminal justice reform, and for the prospects of legalized cannabis. To get into that, just a high level, and we've done episodes on this in the past. I brought on Lions of Liberty legal counsel Rico, of course, to talk about this when Sessions was when he was nominated and eventually confirmed to be the Attorney General. We we talked about a bunch of this stuff, but. One thing that Sessions did in his time is he rescinded rescinded the 2013 Cole Memorandum. And what this memorandum was, it was a memo created during the Obama administration that protected marijuana legal states from federal scrutiny, which is sort of confusing because if you remember way back at the beginning of the Obama administration, Obama was raiding dispensaries in California and all that stuff. But Obama sort of evolved during his presidency. I don't think he actually evolved. I don't know what exactly led to it. But this cult memo was a good thing. And it kept the feds out of the states. Sessions pulled that out. I don't know if he actually utilized it, if he, if, if he went after any states. Not to my knowledge. I haven't seen that happen. But that threat, you know, that's, that's not a good thing. The bigger thing that Sessions did is he reversed this is another Obama-era thing, Eric Holder's Smart on Crime initiative. So what was the Smart on Crime initiative? What you know, When I talk to a lot of my liberal friends, I have liberal friends who are lawyers, and they're very passionate about criminal justice reform, so we're aligned on that. This is what they bring up when they talk about why they hate Jeff Sessions, and I, I think they're 100% on. So what what did he repeal? What was this Smart on Crime initiative? What it was, it had a, it had a goal with uh, really five had really five goals <laughs> stated out. This mission had five separate goals. First, to ensure finite resources are devoted to the most important law, enforces, law enforcement priorities. To promote fairer enforcement of the laws and alleviate disparate impacts on the criminal justice system. To ensure just punishments for low-level nonviolent convictions. To bolster prevention and reentry efforts to, de- to deter crime and reduce recidivism. And to strengthen protections for vulnerable populations, so Sessions said at the time, and I quote: "Going forward, I have empowered our prosecutors to charge and pursue the most serious offenses as I believe the law requires." So, what does this mean? I mean, this really goes back to you know a lot of the people that I've interviewed on this show, Felony Friday, a lot of nonviolent offenders, people who've done harm no one. Jeff Sessions is, was going back to what all these other past presidents did all these other sorry past administrations did and freaking pedal to the metal full prosecution you're selling a little bit of marijuana you're involved in a conspiracy you're going to pay the price for it you're going to be you're going to be railroaded you're going to be crushed so this is why so many people hate jeff sessions sessions is now out is this good news i think it's definitely good news you know, I think people are getting maybe a little bit too optimistic about it, thinking that, you know, Trump has had a come to Jesus moment on marijuana, and they're thinking that maybe he's going to appoint someone who's going to be more socially liberal, as Gary Johnson would say, towards towards cannabis reform. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I will say this. I think conservatives as a whole have really shifted in the past three to four years, and you can see that by the work of the Koch brothers, by the work of uh, organizations like Right on Crime, who are working to make reentry better for you know people coming out of the prison system to be able to get jobs and to reduce this recidivism. So I think cons- conservatives have become more activists in this area, and maybe who whoever is a point. I'm not even going to speculate who it'll be because I have. I mean, I've seen like six or seven people named. I don't want to. I don't want to waste time going through them because honestly, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think it's going to be somebody who's pretty similar to Jeff Sessions, at least their history is. Now, tr- they will be a Trump loyalist, and I think Trump will have a little more control over them. He might push them in a certain direction with regards to criminal justice reform and you know maybe the things around this cold memo and around Smart on Crime. I don't think they're going to be revived, but I think something else could be put forth by them that Trump could put his brand on and take credit for. I think that's going to be a big part of this. So I think it will move in a positive direction. I'm not sure how far. You know, I know there's people working hard in the criminal justice community who are trying to work with people in the administration. But In the past, I've had on from the Can Do Foundation, Amy Pova. Amy Pova is very tied into... What's going on in this administration? She's tied into the clemency movement, and I I wouldn't be surprised if Donald Trump grants the most amount of commuted sentences, pardons, grants clemency to the most people that in the in the history of the presidency. I he's on pace to do that anyway. Obama dumped a bunch, did a bunch at the end. I, I think Trump will blow Obama out of the water, which which is a good thing. But to get back to Sessions for a minute. And, oh, just one more thing. I want, I'd want to talk about this. So Sessions is obviously out. The left is in this weird position where they hate Sessions, but they, but they want to be mad at Trump for getting rid of him because it gives Trump the opportunity to put this Whitaker guy, who's a loyalist, in charge. Whitaker, who has not recused himself from the, the Mueller investigation and has said in the past that, you know, Mueller should be limited on what he can look into regarding Trump's finances and things like that. But anyway, so the people on the left labeled it as Trump putting one of his cronies in there, which, right or wrong, might be true. They can't be happy that Sessions is out. It's just a weird situation. So you have this protest that has been pulled out of nowhere it's weird it's the hashtag protect mueller protest or protect mueller rallies they're happening right now as i record this this is on thursday night as i record all over the place they happen in two days after the election it's amazing and a little bit scary how quickly these things come together just really makes it crystal clear how well funded they are so well funded and really makes it crystal clear how far the libertarian party has to go we have none of this funding. To, even for an election, we pour all these resources in for election and we, we shut the bed and for a freaking protect Mueller rally, you know, these types like George Soros, who knows who else is involved, are able to pull this together. And I'm sure people are getting paid to organize this and get people together. And I'm sure there's people that are passionate too about, about it, but it's crazy how quick this stuff comes together. It's, it's absolutely insane. But that's, that's a part of what we're up against. And that's what, you know, I've been going back and forth. Uh, we've been talking in our forum, and I know Mark Clare has said this uh, in the Lines of Liberty Forum, which you can join by going to Facebook, typing Lines of Liberty Forum in the search bar at the top. But I know Mark, after these election results, has really said something to the effect of, you know, this, really this is, you know, the system is rigged. If you don't think the system is rigged, you're pretty much delusional right now. And these aren't Mark words, Mark's words. But I, I, I agree with him. So these are my words. I think you're delusional right now. If you say the system is not rigged, look at these protests, look at the election, the amount of money dumped into it, the media coverage. It's a two-party system. And I don't know if we break it in our lifetime. I think we can make a difference by growing this party bigger just from an education standpoint, without a doubt. Maybe we get some local offices, things like that. But I don't know how we break this system. I honestly have no idea. And this Protect Mueller overnight assembled rally is just uh, more evidence to that, which is, which is just crazy. And I don't know. One last note I, I do want to make on cannabis before moving on. I do want to touch on the tragic shooting uh, that happened in California, Thousand Oaks, California, on Wednesday night. But I want to talk about Pittsburgh Normal. So Pittsburgh Normal... They our group that they reached out to when I was working for Dale's campaign, they reached out for a questionnaire to be answered or whatever to see if we could be endorsed. And you know, we filled it out, sent it back, pretty much said, you know, legalize it. That's what we want. We don't want a text, we just want it legalized, should be as legalized tomatoes, blah, blah, blah. They gave us bam the A rating, and then comes out day before the election, Monday before the election. They endorse Bob Casey, Dale's opponent, the Democrat, who has never come out for legalization. They also endorse um, the, the governor, Tom Wolf, who has said very recently that legalization for recreational marijuana in Pennsylvania is just, it's not going to happen now. It's not feasible. That's pretty much what he said. So it went forward and endorsed these people who are not in favor of pushing for legalization. And when we pushed back on the page and commented and said, hey, what's going on here? You know, our candidate, the libertarian, has said this and this and this, and he's for full legalization, lines up with your mission right here. See how you're you're for full legalization. See, we should be in agreement here. And they basically came back and said in the comments that, well, Dale can't win, so why endorse him? And then proceeded to block every single libertarian who was commenting on it. The guy who runs this page, Patrick Nightingale, is a local Pittsburgh uh, attorney. I don't know what his objective is by the people who are most aligned with him in the city of Pittsburgh and the state of Pennsylvania to actually move forward, legalize cannabis, ending the war on drugs, getting these nonviolent offenders out of prison. You think he would want to be our friends, but no, just blocks us, which is crazy, which once again goes back to this is the rigged two-party system, even Pittsburgh freaking normal this little podunk chapter of normal that nobody gives a crap about. Probably this one guy, Patrick Nightingale, does all the posting, all the moderating, all everything with it. <laughs> he's, he can't even break free from this two-party system. God knows what kind of kickbacks he's getting. Anyway, it's frustrating. Last thing I want to talk about, this shooting in California. And I know uh, Brian McWilliams, did comment somewhere, I think in an email today. In our, uh, we we're doing a little back and forth talking about this shooting. Brian said he'd been to this bar before. Uh, you know, it really, really makes it surreal. Similar to when I was talking last week, <clears throat> last week about the shooting in Pittsburgh at the synagogue in uh, Pittsburgh in Squirrel Hill. I've been to Squirrel Hill many times. It's a very safe community, great community. When you've been to that area, like Brian had been to this bar, you know, I'm sure people, our listeners in California are very familiar with this area. It's not a dangerous place from what I understand. And this guy, this ex-Marine comes in and kills 12 people. And my understanding is he had one gun, one firearm, had a handgun, I think think a Glock, not necessarily 100% sure on that. He did have an illegal uh, magazine, maybe a couple illegal magazines. So, what's this going to lead to? And, you know, first of all, before I get into talking about what it's going to lead to, twelve people are dead who went to a bar to dance, have a good time, and they're dead, and their families um, have to suffer through this and try to try to pick up the pieces and, and live life because life goes on, and it's it's hard to even it's hard to even imagine. And to go back to the Pittsburgh shooting, what made it hit home for me so much is when you actually know people. Like some of my, one of my best friends, um, is a doctor, and he was in residency. You know, the guy was his mentor. Doctor was his mentor that was that was gunned down in in the Squirrel Hill shooting in the in the synagogue. That just makes it so so real. I mean. To that point, every single one of these shootings, I didn't have a personal connection to it. And it's sort of shallow to say, but it's hard to it's hard to connect. You know, you feel sadness, but it's hard to really connect until you really see it like that on a personal level, in a friend who is connected to it like that. But it's just so sad. And, and you think all the people out there, California and across the United States, who know these people, lost friends, lost family members, lost loved ones. Just it's messed up, man. I don't want to speculate too much about the shooter. Obviously had mental problems. Former Marine. Possible PTSD. God knows what drugs he was on. God knows what psychotropic drugs he was on, I should say. Also could run other drugs, but you know, you can't help but think is this blowback from being at war? From from what you saw at war? Blowback from our aggressive foreign policy coming back and, and causing uh, causing trauma at home so it's messed up and you know obviously the Democrats are going to push for more gun control, which doesn't make any sense because you look at the gun control that's enacted, the magazine that he's had or the magazines that he had are not legal so he broke that law he killed people murder that's illegal broke that law. I'm not sure even if the gun he had was legal. I don't know if that's out there yet. Um, Did he have a concealed carry permit? I don't know. I think those are pretty hard to get in California. I don't know if it was. So probably broke that law. So more gun control. Is that going to fix this? No. You know, when I talk, when I think about going to a bar, like I talked about last week, I'm not comfortable. I don't really want somebody in in my church. Um, I don't want to see, you know, someone holding uh, an AR-15 Outside of my church, before I go in to, to work in security, I just don't want to see that. Outside of a bar, I, I wouldn't mind seeing armed security. You know why? Because I'm going in a bar. I'm having some drinks. I'm letting my mind drift. I'm not I'm not with it. You know i I don't want somebody. I, I I'd like to I'd like to make it harder for somebody to come in and, and shoot a place up. So when when I do go to a bar, and even when I see a cop outside of a bar, I'm not mad about it. I wish it was private security. Uh, obviously, I'll keep in mind there's a cop outside. Uh, you know, don't, <laughs> don't, when you're walking out the door, walk, walk straight. You know, don't, don't give the cop any reason to, to follow you or do God knows what, try to provoke you into something. But anyway, that's going down a whole whole different path. It's tough because, like I said before, it's the trade-off between liberty and security. The progressives, the liberals, trend a lot more towards giving up liberty for security. And they want to force that on everyone. So they want to force that on the entire population, take everyone's guns away in order for them to feel safe. They might be a little, probably probably won't be any safer. In fact, they could be less safe, probably more likely less safe, but they might feel safer. And that's what they're going for. They want to feel safer. They want to feel like they're doing something and they're not afraid to take your rights away to do it. That's something to be aware of. We're on the other side of it, on the liberty side. Uh, people who value individual rights, individual freedom, venue, this whatever it is, this university, this school, we should be allowed to come together as a business owner, or if it's a community and it's a school or something like that, or a church, come together and say, hey, we would like to get some metal detectors. We would like to get some, pay for some armed security, put this in our budget, because it's going to make people feel safer when they come uh, patronize our business or they come worship in our church or, or whatever it is. So you see the two different philosophies there? Hopefully that's, that's clear because they're very, very different, very different things. You know, I think somebody might try to lump that together. If you do have a business owner who says, no guns in my business... That's fine with me. You can do that. And I can choose if I want to go there or not. Sort of de- it sort of depends on the circumstance of, of it. If I will patronize your business, if there's no guns allowed, you know, if, if it's a burger joint and I'm going to be concealed carrying for the day, I want to stop I get a burger. I might go somewhere else that would let me conceal carry in and uh, get my burger. Or I might just conceal carry in anyway, not tell you I have a gun. But <laughs> no, I would never do that. I would never, never do that. Anyway, that that's it. That's it for the day, guys. Um, that's it for the show. I should say, you know, I wanted to keep this to 25 minutes. Of course, I failed at that and If you guys like this show, you like the solo format, let me know. I did get a lot of good positive feedback from people saying that they they like the solo shows. It's not going to be all solo shows from here on out. I do have some guests some lining up for the next couple of weeks, next couple of months. Uh, it's going to be a great show, episode 150 next week. Got to be honest with you. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I have a couple ideas, but uh, definitely tune in. I can promise you it will be fun. It will be good. We'll be talking about criminal justice reform. We'll be exposing injustice. We'll be talking about how to advance liberty. We'll be talking about how to set people free. Yeah. So that's all I got, guys. Join the pride. Go to patreon.com slash lines of liberty. Subscribe on uh Apple Podcasts, Google, tune in, yell at your Alexa, listen listen to Lines of Liberty. Whatever it is, do it. All right, that's it, guys. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning.